Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. Looks like it's going to be a nice day to be outside. It's going to be brisk, no doubt about it. And it isn't going to be helpful that we're going to have high winds. 10 to 15 mile an hour winds and gusts higher than that. So if you go out, make sure you got stuff tied down. You don't want to be chasing it across the yard. Probably in this kind of breeze, it would not be a good time to be spraying anything. Whether it was pest control or foliar feed, unless you plan on wearing a lot of it, that may not work out well for you. Now, is it okay to use those products? Sure. Sure it is. But they'll get away from you when you got a 15-mile-an-hour wind blowing and the occasional gusts. And I don't know about you, but I can go outside and go, okay, the wind's coming from this direction. And the minute I go to use a spray, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to change so that I'm coming from a direction that will blow it back in your face, no matter which way I turn. So uh, someone texted me a good point. Just because we do not have burn bans, some places may still have few, but just because there are no burn bands, because we've finally gotten some rain and because the humidity is up, not particularly good day to go out there and burn. This high wind uh, will get away from you in a hurry if you're doing a burn. So keep that in mind. If you don't have to, don't. A lot of times, you know, we make plans. I'm going to do X, Y, Z on the weekend. And you make that plan last weekend. And part of the problem is you wind up in this weekend and what you want to do, well, you want to do a burn. Uh, you can't. It's so windy. Or I wanted to do uh, painting or spraying uh, spraying my plants with fertilizer or whatever. And the weather conditions are like, eh, nope, sorry, not going to cooperate. That happens. And as a gardener, we learn that we have to be flexible. Sometimes... Well, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to put it off another week. Uh, it's like mowing. You go, oh, I, I, I need to go out and mow Saturday, and it's raining. Well, you can't mow in the rain. That grass will be wet. It'll be miserable to cut. Happens. I guess that applies to all of life, basically. Best laid plans of mice and men, right? Um, 
the weather today will be decent. I still have peppers coming. Looking forward to them. Bell peppers, not hot peppers. They just aren't turning red for me. They're just starting to get a little blush on them. And then, of course, that means I've got the problem of the minute they start showing some color, the birds show up. These are beautiful peppers. They are big and thick-walled, but they're bright green. And I didn't plant green peppers. I planted red peppers. They will be so much sweeter when they turn red. Well, it may be a race. I'm not freezing where I live. Doesn't look like I'm going to freeze this week. Close, but no freeze. So I got another week of leaving them on the vine in hopes that they'll turn red. After that week, no idea. So they got to hurry up for me. I have a zillion tomatoes. <laughs> I have a Juliet, and it is covered, covered with tomatoes. They're not turning green, and if you look at them, they look a little mealy. So I don't know if I'm going to harvest them at all. If I do, I'm probably going to have to harvest them and put them in a bag and bring them in and let them turn red in the house. They will do that. Now, as for their mealiness, generally I don't eat the tomatoes raw. We normally take tomatoes and dry them so that I can have tomatoes through the middle of the winter. Throw them in a salad, uh, throw them in a dish, uh, cook them with pasta, you know, there are so many ways to use them, and they're just packed with flavor. When you dry them, it removes the water, so it intensifies the flavors. So I'm not sure if them being mealy is going to be a problem. It's going to interfere with me being able to pick them and keep them. Now, the minute if I look like I'm going to get a freeze. I'm picking them all. I'm going to take a shot at it. I'll try to let them ripen in the house. Um, I mean, I'm having a very good crop of tomatoes. I wish I had this crop during the spring, but I didn't. So I will harvest at some point. Same with my peppers. I want them to be red. But you know what? If they're not, I'm going to still pick them. I will dice them, throw them on a piece of parchment paper on a cookie sheet, and put them in the freezer. When they are all individually frozen, scoop them up into a cup, vacuum seal them, and throw them in the freezer, and I will be able to have fresh green pepper during the year. <clears throat> really preferring for them to get red. There's nothing we can really do to make that happen either. It's not a lack of nutrient. Um, it is a factor of 
water, weather, uh, sunshine, all of those environmental conditions put together affect when these plants are going to turn red. There's nothing that you can do to improve that situation. So we, we do what we can. I don't believe peppers will redden if you uh, harvest them and bring them in, put them in a bag like you would a tomato. Peppers are generally the color they are the minute you pick them. And they're going to stay that way. Tomatoes, on the other hand, can ripen. So I like the cooler weather. I like the possibility of a little bit of rain. If we're not freezing, I'm leaving them there, and I'm going to wind up hoping for the best that they will still allow me to get some tomatoes for the fall. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> you know, um, this weather's been weird. I know people were calling in going, hey, my fruit trees are blooming. Yeah, they are. The trees were being weird. They do that. It is not hurting the tree. It is not a sign that the tree's dying or something like that. But if you'll notice, well, they were blooming real late in the year. They probably don't have any blooms on them now. And that's okay. Um, one of the trees, it is a tree, that there's an exception to this, is citrus. My blood orange is erupting in blooms right now. I'm okay with that. I can protect it from the freeze. And it's more cold hardy than other citrus. So that's good. I, I can manage that. But what I do have uh, when we see this happening is what we do have is um, citrus blooms whenever it wants. You can have multiple blooms on a lemon tree. And limes, oh, forget it. They, they're almost constantly in bloom. However, uh, some citrus is a once-a-year thing. Grapefruit tend to be a once-a-year plant. So there are advantages and disadvantages to this, especially when we have this kind of cold weather. If you can protect the plant, the blooms should be fine. I am fortunate my plant is positioned in a place where it would take me less than a minute to move it into my garage, and it doesn't freeze in my garage. Even during the freeze apocalypse, 
it didn't freeze in my garage. And they can go without light for a very long time. I can keep it in the garage for a, a, a week. And when I pull it back out, it immediately goes, oh, yeah, man, I wanted that sunshine. But it will survive just fine. So citrus, citrus can be an enjoyable tree to grow. The blooms are just such a wonderful scent. And, hey, there is nothing better uh I, there is nothing better than to turn around and be able to uh, pick a fresh fruit off of the vine. Oh, excuse me. That's another thing going on today that's going to drive people crazy. This high wind is going to get the pollen going nuts today. So be prepared to deal with that. Um, I got to tell you, it's, it is terrible for me right now. And that's, uh, it is terrible out there right now. And I, I'm one of those people like, Yep, it's going to affect me in a hurry. You can wear a mask when you go out to do this. And uh, they help. They help. Most pollen grains, cedar fever, etc., most pollen grains are bigger than an N95 mask. So the mask can help keep the pollen down. If you have to be outside, especially in this kind of breeze, they're very beneficial. So take that into consideration. If you are <clears throat> going to be out in this breeze, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to keep um, warm. Now, the bundling up is a good thing. The more work you're doing in the garden, though, you could overheat. So this is back to the layers thing, making sure that you're wearing layers to adjust to the temperature. And it'll be great to see what, um, <clears throat> in, in this cool weather, it'll be great to see how much you can get done. Because when it came, when it was 105, I didn't go outside. I didn't care about my garden. It was 105. But now that we're in reasonable weather, and it's easier to put on more clothes than uh, take them off when it's hot, You can get a lot of work going in there. The plants are starting to go dormant. That means they can, uh, I would say, take the abuse of being transplanted, of being trimmed back. Remember, if you've got a lot of flowers, 
Don't get so excited about deadheading them. Things like coneflowers and salvias, they, uh, they hold their seeds on fairly long. And that is food for various wildlife. They absolutely love those seed heads. If you're cutting them off and throwing them away right now, well, you're taking their food away. And it's by no means urgent. You may not like the appearance, but <clears throat> bear with it. Bear with it. It's like folks are just dying to get out there and cut everything down. Why? You're not ruining your appearance. You're not ruining your landscape by leaving it be. So don't get out there in such a hurry <clears throat> to cut down all those flower heads. That's a big food source for a lot of the wildlife. Don't do that. Be patient. That goes for your grasses, too. Folks, will, oh, I got to cut the grasses. They're not green. The big, tall ones. So they have a very attractive look in the landscape. Don't worry about cutting those down. Leave it long. New grass will come up through it, and the wind itself the wind itself will blow much of the dead grass away. So by spring, the new grass will come up, the old grass will be gone. That is also a big hosting place for many of our beneficial insects. If you're cutting it down, throwing it away, or composting it, well, you just got rid of all your beneficial insects. Patience, folks. Patience. Work with nature. Don't work against her. She's doing all she can to give you a particularly beautiful landscape. You only need to give a little bit of help to get everything to grow well. So be patient. Uh, I know people are going, I want to trim my Esperanzas. Why? Are, they, uh, are the stems dead? Because if they're not, don't cut them. Someone called the other day and wanted to know about trimming their Esperanza, and it was still in bloom. No, 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 patience. The garden moves at garden speed. It doesn't move at your speed. Learn to relax. Learn to relax. You will have a, a, much, beautiful, a, a much more beautiful garden. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break for the news. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> um... You know, I've gotten calls about people saying, what's with all the acorns? That is happening all over the country, not just us. 
I know folks in North Carolina who have the same thing they're talking about. And uh, it's called a, um, a mast year. Now, that's not M-A-S-T, that's uh, M-A-E-S-T. It's the combination letter. It's, it's, it's used in some old languages like Danish and Norwegian, but it's considered a mast year. That means, that means <clears throat> we're getting a bunch of them. There's no particular rhyme or reason to it. But one of the advantages, while you may not like it in your front yard, the trees in the wild are dumping acorns like crazy, and acorns are a really good food source for the wildlife. Um, a, a person I know is complaining because the acorns are drawing in bears. Yeah, them big black fuzzy things. Um, not the teddy bear version, because the bears are eating the acorns, and there's a ton of them. So the bears are fat, dumb, and happy. And with it coming up on this time of the year where they hibernate, hey, they're probably feeding up. You know, we have the fat bear contest every year. Uh, the, the acorns are just a food source. Yes, they're annoying in your yard. There's nothing you can do about it. Let them annoy you. The problem will be Mowing can launch an acorn, so you want to be careful there. But if you got a ton of them, they'll break down. <clears throat> You're not going to have a forest form underneath a tree. They'll either hatch or they won't. The squirrels will come get them. The blue jays will come get them. There's even uh, a um, woodpecker called the acorn woodpecker who goes and gets an acorn and carves out a little hole in a tree and stuffs the acorn in it so he can come back and eat it later. Pretty smart bird, right? Store up food for when there's a problem. But there's an actual name for a mast year. And that's just one that's got, that will <clears throat> occur every once in a while. I'm just pointing out, it's not just us. So something occurred to cause the trees to go nutty, no pun intended, uh, and away you go. Not a problem for your trees, although I do get it. Um, they're hard to walk on, <clears throat> they're unpleasant, they're dangerous, they're slippery. When we <clears throat> get those huge numbers of acorns, this is an opportunity for you. You don't wanna leave them on the ground 
too long if you're going to grab some to try to start them to start your own trees. They <clears throat> should be picked up within a month of their fall. If you want to use them to try to start a, a, a tree. And it's relatively easy. Uh, it's relatively easy to do so. I mean, look at the squirrels. They're really successful at starting acorns. They're annoying about it. Every flower pot I have has wound up having an ac uh, acorn in it trying to grow a tree. Doesn't matter what else is in the flower pot. I think the squirrels are, they have a really short term memory because they'll get one and I watch them run all over my yard and they'll dig little holes, stuff an acorn in there. They'll dig a little hole and stuff an acorn in there and they never come back and get it. I, I think that they just have these memory lapses. Now, I've seen blue jays also take acorns, though I think they tend to eat those when they get them, as opposed to trying to plant them somewhere else. But it is what is called a mast here, and it is loaded everywhere. Most of the places where oaks are growing have had, oh my gosh, acorn years. That's not a bad thing. You cannot do anything about it. You want to rake up the acorns? <clears throat> well, you, you can. If you are really industrious, rake up the acorns. Take off the, the cap on the nut, and you want to rinse it in water a lot. I mean, soak it, <clears throat> drain it, soak it, drain it, soak it, drain it. Let them dry, and you can grind them into flour. Yep, acorn flour. Or is it oak flour? Not sure but you can make a flower out of them and it will make a very dense bread. But it's nutritious. It has a nutty flavor and um, you need a lot of acorns. So if you're industrious, if you really wanna to go to the trouble and you got a lot of acorns on your property and you want to do something with them, that's a possible solution. Use your search engines and look for acorn flour and you're probably going to find somebody who's going to turn around and say, hey, you do this and you do that and ta-da, you got a bunch of flour. It is also, like I said, the deer will eat them so if you have deer, uh, you're not going to be able to chase them away. With luck, they'll eat the flower, excuse me, the acorn, and 
try to stay out of your garden. But more than likely, it's just going to be a supplemental food for them. So they're still going to bug your garden. Maybe not as much. But they will eat the acorns also. So will things like um, ducks and geese. You can just leave them be. They'll wind up breaking down and adding to the quality of the soil. So don't worry so much if you've got an incredible acorn crop. It's, uh, it's normal. It is normal. Your trees are not hurting. They're not dying. They're not trying. They're, it's not a sign that they drop all those acorns and then they're going to die later. Nope, they're just producing lots of acorns. I don't have that problem this year, which is unusual, because last year I got acorns. This year I haven't. My chinkapin, my bur oak, um, nope, they didn't produce any acorns this year, which is kind of weird because everybody else is getting a zillion of them. But my trees are fine, and I'm okay with not getting acorns simply because the size of the bur oak acorns, those things are like golf balls, and I don't want them falling on me or on my car, even on the house. So I'll take a year off. The rest of you, you're making up for my acorns. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, folks. <clears throat> We've been having some technical problems here where you could text in, but you couldn't call in. I think we got that fixed now. So um, you can still text me or you can call in now and we'll see if we can't get your questions answered. It's been a weird day today. Hard to stay ahead of the technical problems at the moment, but we think we got it all fixed. So... We're going to have <clears throat> we're going to have that next week. Gardening naturally will be in December, and we get to because of that particular day. That is the average first frost in Austin. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see if it really is. Uh, Let's go to the phone. This is James. James, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. Uh, I heard you mention about the the dried tomatoes uh, that mm -hmm. that you uh, harvest and dry, and uh, I wanted to do that next year because uh, we got a dehydrator, and I was wondering uh, if you only had one variety to grow, oh, what would that be? of tomato <clears throat> for drying um for drying i do juliettes the reason for that is is that it's a kind of a plum type tomato and they're cylindrical 
And when you slice them, you just make quarter-inch pieces as you slice through them. And they uh, dry in these little rings, and they're easy to store. Uh, now, I put them through a vacuum, uh, vacuum bagging and freeze them. But they are productive, and they produce in such a way that if I was only getting a tomato a day, it wouldn't be worth setting my dryer up. But these things, like right now, I probably have 30, maybe more tomatoes on the vine waiting right now. And that's not unusual for the Juliet. It produces heavily. And that makes it really easy to decide to do something with it, whether I want to can them or turn them into sauce or for purposes of drying, I can get enough tomatoes to make it worthwhile to put them in the dryer. So two plants would be plenty for an individual that wanted some dried tomatoes to uh, jazz up the winter salads? Sure. That's, that's exactly how many I put in. Now, I didn't get that success out of my tomatoes at all this year because of the heat. But the Juliet made it through the heat, and it came back this fall on its own. I didn't have to do much to it, and now it is absolutely covered with tomatoes. Normally, normally, if there is such a thing as a normal season, they're very heavy producers, and we usually put in two a year, and that gives us enough to... Uh, dry and uh, package so that we have tomatoes in the winter. Okay, I'll try that uh, uh, next spring. And I had one, I had a comment. I called about uh, onion fertility the other day, and uh, yeah. I didn't think that Dixondale Farms had any information on um, growing organic onions, but a friend said that they have organic recommendations and they use a uh, a blood meal and uh, a seaweed product to bring the onions uh, to harvest. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's a not overwhelm. That's a high nitrogen without being an overwhelming number. So that kind of makes sense. Um, I wonder how that turns out. Well, I'm trying everything. I got a, a can of blood meal back there somewhere in the shed, and I've got some uh, 16-02 uh, Super Grow from Medina. So I'm going to hit it, uh, hit it pretty hard once they get rooted in and once they start growing. Well, you know, that makes sense because each layer of an onion is actually like the blade of grass. So you want to make the onions put on lots of layers to become a nice bulb for you. Um, let us know how you do on that, James, because that heavier feeding is not something that's really 
really common. You know, we, we normally will throw onions in the ground and walk away. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform for you when they have your feed. Okay, thanks for taking my call and answering my questions, Jeff. Yeah, James, no problems. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, <clears throat> when I put onions in the ground, I prepare the ground, put the onions in, and then I don't touch them again till I pull them out. But it sounds like with a little encouragement, meaning a little extra fertilizer, particularly a certain range of fertilizer in terms of nutrient, uh, you may be able to get a better, bigger onion, which uh, is what we want to look for. And that's an easy number. Blood meal, folks, is just what it sounds like. Usually from the slaughterhouses, they will collect it and they dry it. It becomes powdered. Blood meal will also chase away a lot of animals like rabbits. It can be used to chase away deer because they smell the blood and that gives them the, the flight instinct. They want to get out of there because smelling the blood makes them think there was a predator nearby. Being higher in nitrogen, it works well, and it is organic. So there is another option for a fertilizer if uh, you want to get a more uh, nitrogen balance. And it's also a good trick to try to repel the deer. The deer do not like the scent of it. It makes them think, Something has gone wrong here, and there is a predator that has caused a problem. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know about balancing out the cost. Does it cost the same to use a hundred square feet of cottonseed meal versus a hundred square feet of blood meal? Something like that. Can't tell you the breakdown on that. You may have to do the math on that yourself. We used to keep those kind of numbers when people came in and asked because there are so many choices you have when it comes to fertilizers. And of course, we want you to use an organic fertilizer because it can be just as effective. And we can show that per square foot, it can actually be more cost effective. Plus it doesn't leave issues where it puts chemicals in the water table. That's never a good thing. Because <clears throat> that's saying it's putting chemicals in the water you drink. I would prefer that doesn't happen. But, like I said, blood meal is definitely not vegan. So that's kind of the choice you need to make as to whether or not you want to use it. But, as a product, it has a lot of uses. 
And when you dust it onto the ground or you add it to your soil, the minute it rains or you water it in, it begins leaching into the soil to feed the, the biology, to feed the plants. So it's a good application. It's a good application in the garden to give you uh, extra green if you need it. For the plants that live on nitrogen, citrus may do really well with it because citrus lives on almost exclusively nitrogen. And it really doesn't care a lot about the other nutrients. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I hope you all have a wonderful day, last, last one of November.